0: Hey guys, so this week kind of got away from us and we weren't able to record anything new for you. However, we do have this conversation from our original um, episode 8 about privilege and it really didn't fit in the episode. We kind of got on a tangent about feminism, but we thought it was a really, really interesting conversation in general and we just wanted to release it and we hope you enjoy it as well. And next week, we will have some normal content for you. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this.
1: What do you think about the attitude towards stay-at-home mothers? What do you think? When you think of the attitude, like, in terms of American society's opinion of stay-at-home mothers, are we privileged or are we not privileged? I don't
0: know. <laughs> My initial instinct is to think that people see us as privileged, um, and but does that mean,
1: therefore, they see us in a negative light?
0: Like, correct. do you think
1: people? Okay, that
0: that's kind of where I'm going with this. I feel like, and that's why I think it was so hard personally for me to do the list of like, what do you get as being a stay at home mom? Because I feel like this whole time I feel like. I'm kind of defending myself and maybe it's like a me thing, but I'm like defending myself and defending my, um, decision to be a stay-at-home mom as like, no, it's really hard and it's a job and don't think that I'm like, almost like a woe is me, like having to take on this persona because if I just sit around and be like, no, I love it. I love having the ability to, you know, one of the things we said is like having an open schedule. Like, I love being able to be like, oh, it's Tuesday and I need to do this. Okay, nothing's stopping me. Um, It almost comes off as, like, selfish or braggy or, like, I feel like I have. Privileged. To- yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it feels privileged. And it sounds privileged. And yeah. I don't want people to view me that way because I, so I, like, live in this persona of, like, no, it's really hard and i'm really sad all the time and it's actually like you know you're lucky that you get to go to work which a lot of time like you are lucky you get to go to work but i'm pretty lucky i get to stay at home yeah so i don't know i what do you think what's your answer to that
1: i just i think uh you're just you're just so right about everything that you're saying um so in that study that i had cited earlier um uh, what's the title of it again? Scrolling. Unpacking Americans' Views of the Employment of Mothers and Fathers Using National Vignette Survey Data. Yeah. So there's been, since the 70s, like, a consistent study about what is your opinion towards, like, working mothers, what is your opinion towards uh, mothers who uh, stay home? There's been consistent data. Um, and they report that... Um, uh there's more positive feeling towards women who stay home hmm. which is exactly what we're saying we don't feel where right. it's like but I feel judged yeah okay so I think there's a few reasons for this so first of all this is national survey data I wonder if they broke it up by region if there was a difference because my guess is that rural America or more conservative pockets of America, have more positive views towards stay-at-home mothers than more liberal pockets of America. And like, you know, I live in a big city, and you know, so I have this kind of constant anxiety about like, are you gonna view me as like a right-wing, you know, anti-feminist, which we've talked about throughout this, because I am occupying this position of stay-at-home mother, Which again, as we've talked about, is like, that was like the second wave feminist enemy. Like the enemy is the stay at home mother, because that's what produces that drudgery and that feeling of you're not yourself. And so it is a backlash to it. And so it's like, if you do occupy that position, are you like the enemy to feminism? Yeah. And um, so I think the other reason that there's more positive societal opinions towards stay-at-home mothers is the way that the study was designed Mm -hmm. so that's what this study is speaking to they try and change up the design of the study because so like for instance in that study um 28 of respondents disagreed or strongly disagreed with this statement a working mother can establish just as warm and secure a relationship with her children so it's like there's a a third of the population think that working moms can't establish that warmth so that's like this i know it's sad and it's like first of all it's not fucking true there's a study um uh from the washington post uh that says time doesn't necessarily make better parenting um the study is called sorry you're hearing my computer working uh, the, the, the article is called More Time Isn't Always Better for Your Kids and they have a study associated with it. it's actually about the quality of time that you spend so you can like jam-pack a Saturday yeah. um, and like get that, get that quality time in. That doesn't mean that your kids are going to be worse off if you're not spending as much time as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not true. So that's really depressing. So this study tries to um, kind of see the nuance in attitudes towards stay-at-home mothers and so they like broke it down to say like different conditions, like is the mother happy at her job or not happy at her job? Mm-hmm. And so then suddenly all kinds of things start changing where it's like, if you say in this like picture of a, of a family, there's a working mother and a working father and a kid and the mother's unhappy at her job, what should she do? Then all of a sudden things start changing and they say, okay, you should either cut back to part-time or you should stay home or you should look for another job. Um, and so like the biggest percentage was you should look for another job. So it actually seemed to kind of privilege working a bit. So this idea that, um, mothers should stay home, which is what they've kind of assumed over these years of study, once they broke it down and looked at different scenarios, actually there was kind of more positive feelings toward, um, balance or, um, or things like that, that like part time was kind of uh emerged as an ideal.
0: It just it uh one I think it brings it back to the top of the hour when you talked about we both talked about how um the current jobs that we were in were making us so unhappy that making the decision to be a stay at home mom was mm-hmm. an easier decision. Um like it kind of crept into my brain like hey maybe try to find something else. But like I don't know. Something was just made for me that I was like, no, I'm just gonna stay home. I'm not. I didn't want to deal with it anymore. I didn't want to do it. Um, But I do. I do 100% find that very interesting. That what we're perceiving as like people are looking down on us. And something kind of off topic, but I do want to ask you something. And I don't want to make this sound demeaning to anyone whatsoever. But is there ever a concern with you that? making this decision to be a stay-at-home mom, people are going to see you as less educated?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And not in any way am I ever saying that stay-at-home moms are less educated individuals. Like, I understand that some of the statistics kind of um, circle around that idea. However, to say the general statement of stay-at-home moms are less educated is vastly incorrect. Like, that's not true whatsoever. But do you ever, like, feel that people are then going to perceive you that way. And you have to kind of like, uh, what's the word I want? Like fight against that or like prove them wrong. Like, no, 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 I am
1: smart. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Totally. So I had already, t- I had mentioned the story in our brainstorm. So first thing is like, again, I think that that's an assumption based again, on like this muddled idea. We have of feminism at this time that is stuck in 1970s, second wave feminism And the idea that the housewife is a dumb or someone who's educated and has thrown away their education it was pointless, willingly, um, uh, to do the drudgery and the because let's be real, it doesn't require a lot of brain power to run the vacuum twice a week. It really doesn't. Um, But that's also a misconception of what staying at home is, because it's not just taking care of your house. That's that's what we're talking about. It's like an added privilege, but really your real labor is child rearing. Um, and it was something we talked about in the COVID episode where a lot of working parents are suddenly realizing that it's not just sitting around watching TV. It's actual skilled labor that is a craft to be able to level with children, to change your style as they grow. Um, All of this is deeply complex brain and emotional work, Um, but people don't see it that way. They think of it as running the vacuum, making dinner, and, uh, you know, kind of watching the kid. Um, So I think it, all of, there's all of these prejudices and historical kind of stereotypes about what a woman who stays home is. That yes, I think amounts to smart people thinking you're stupid, which is where I told that story where my sister-in-law, she's, I mean, actually she and my brother aren't married, but they live together, they have a house together, um, and she is a successful lawyer, and she made, we, we had her over to see the baby, and I, uh, you know, she asked me when I was going back to work, and I said, you know, I actually, I'm staying home. Um, and she wasn't negative about it. Um, but then later in the conversation, we were talking about Donald Trump and how do people, how do women support Donald Trump? Um, of course, because of his history of like sexual abuse of women and all these women who have come forward. Um, and her comment was, well, because they're dumb housewives and they don't have to think about anything and they just support what their husbands say. And so Ooh. it was, it was just this, and I was like, dude, I just told you that I was staying at home. Yeah. Like, can you be aware of how offensive you're being? Your uh, exactly. And it was just, it was the spew of stereotype. Dumb housewife who just conforms to her husband. Like, that is not me. That is not me at all. But I do worry that like, if like people will think because I'm staying at home, I'm just kind of deferring to my husband. Right. I don't know. It just hurt my feelings. And I just I do think that that's a big, especially among the left. Right. And it's like that's because the left is responsible for feminist movements and the right is responsible that the the right has uh, a commitment to women being in, in traditional gender roles. That is a commitment of the conservative right. So if a, a left-leaning woman performs that space of the stereotypical right woman, it, it's it's a conflict that people have trouble reconciling. And it's again this thing we keep talking about: you can be more than one thing. You can. It doesn't. It's not just this like neat divide in society, but it does give me anxiety that I feel like I am on the left, but I am performing a role that is valued on the right. And how do I reconcile those two things?
0: Yeah. 100%. Everything you just said. Like, I, I don't even know if I could add anything to that, but 100% to what you said, because it's, um, and I'm not saying you're right. You can be more than one thing. And my, my life is not, again, I just, I feel like I'm tiptoeing and I don't want to like, I really don't want to offend anybody with anything that I'm saying. Um, and there's nothing wrong With this, but like, I don't want to perceive, I don't want to be perceived as being the stereotypical, but I am the stereotypical housewife, but I don't want to be perceived as that. I want to be perceived as more. However, everything that I'm doing and everything that I'm putting out into the world is very stereotypical, very unfeminist, very like, I'm stay at home mom and I'm child. I don't, it's such a weird headspace to be in and such Mm -hmm. a weird. Um, position to be in in this day and age because like I want to be seen as more however I am what I'm doing like my life is revolving around my child at this moment so it's like yeah go
1: ahead and that's not a problem with you that's a problem with contemporary feminism yeah Um, Lynn Marks was talking about it in that article I referenced earlier and we'll have it in the show notes but it's like uh, Lynn Marks says in her article, she says, "I would argue that the second wave women's movement has gone to the other extreme from first wave feminists. Whereas mothers' pensions to allow mothers to stay home were once the answer, so paying mothers for their childcare work with like state stipends, like other countries do, yeah. that was once the answer in American politics in early first wave feminists, like early late uh, uh, late nineteenth century, early twentieth century, that was kind of the agenda of feminism: mm-hmm. pay these women." Yeah. But then um, it flips. So now most feminists seem to believe that the primary social policy solution for mothers is instead paid work that is paying you well. So like things like closing the wage gap, uh, making sure that you get compensated while well in the workplace. Um, so uh, the, the primary social policy solution for mothers is decent paid work supported by excellent daycare. Uh, and then, and then, what she says is the fact that there are still many mothers. This is you and I who feel that staying home to raise children is the right option for them is not part of this feminist paradigm. Yeah. So there's not a place for us in yeah. contemporary feminism, and oh, that is the problem. That's so So cruel. that's why we feel weird yeah. because contemporary feminism is not saying. Here's what we do with this. And so the solution in like feminist politics to that is socialist feminists who say this thing where it's like, there needs to be, um, a wider understanding of what work is that just entering capitalist scenario is not the only way to find meaning. And so rather, if you choose to stay at home, there should be compensation for your labor because that is real labor, um, and so that's the way that we fit in, but because feminism is still, I think, so wedded to a capitalist idea that a feminist goes out in the workforce and gets a job and that's her identity, that that socialist rhetoric, especially in this country where like socialism is a dirty word, exactly. um, it, it that idea is not infiltrating mainstream feminist ideas at all. Right. I think that that idea exists on like university campuses where people are really doing a lot of like thought about feminism and socialism and all of these kinds of things. But I don't think that's in the mainstream feminist idea at all. That's so, why, you know, my sister-in-law would never think about a, a socialist feminist perspective to a stay-at-home mother. Like that, that wouldn't cross her mind, I don't think.
0: So with you bringing up the idea that, you know, it's, hap- it's happening on campuses and whatnot, do you feel, you know, maybe in five years, 10 years, there could be another wave and another transition to this idea do you I mean do you feel there is the possibility that maybe something can change or do you think we're kind of stuck in this modern day capitalist feminist
1: idea um I've always thought that a lot of the social change that happens does start in the university Mm -hmm. um I guess I feel that way because maybe it was like I feel like back in 2008 when i first entered college i was learning about white privilege mm-hmm. and i feel like that was a discussion that was not at all happening in the mainstream but now that is totally a conversation that is happening in the mainstream yep um so that is always just like in my experience i think that there's a lot of things that start in the college and then they transfer into um the the so, the, the society at large yeah however i think that this is going to get kind of maybe confusing and hopefully I can explain it well, but I think that the ideas that trickle into mainstream American society are identity politics ideas. So in other words, being aware of how like your race or your gender or your uh, sexuality is, gives you privilege and things like that that's all been trickling into the mainstream i think for the last 20 years from like the the aughts the 2000s on like i think that that has been absolutely moving into the mainstream more and more like i feel like you know um like there were lots of conversations about like gender pronouns when i and i we were having i was having those conversations in undergrad again 2007 2006 i was having those conversations and i feel like suddenly everyone's like oh my god their pronouns like oh what are you like people put their pronouns at the bottom of emails now like it took 15 years it took 12 15 years but people are now doing that and it's not strange no one thinks it's strange to see she her people uh, may still bitch about seeing they them or something like that um but it's it's a thing that people are aware of where it's like oh yeah i knew about this years ago when i we talked about this in university campuses so that's all identity politics though that's That's just like saying, this is who I am and accept me. I don't think there's necessarily a monetary problem for anyone if you are called they. It doesn't, it presents a problem to people like, I think that's weird. And it's like, okay, get over it. But it doesn't present a problem to, the workplace really in terms of earning potential. Maybe. It doesn't, I mean, I think it presents it in yes, you could be discriminated against. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. But yes, anyway. You absolutely, you, the individual, can be discriminated against. But it doesn't offer a rupture to the economic system at large. Yeah. If anything, if now a company says we love they, them pronouns. In theory, you're just opening yourself up to a larger sect of the left that wants to love your company because you say you accept they, them pronouns, and then they want to spend more money at you. So the only problem with identity politics to capitalism is nothing at all, except you get to open yourself up to wider markets if you have no problem with that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. (laughs) And then this is where, I'm sorry. But however, what we're talking about is actual systemic disruption to money. Like, if you're saying, like, this, this idea that um, women's work that is not in the capitalist structure but is raising children at home should get compensated, that is a disruption to, like, governments that now have to create programs and create stipends that pay lots of people money and would maybe disrupt an economy where women's brain power would maybe there'd be a so-called brain drain and women might leave the workforce because they'd compensated to do labor at home, that's actual change that disrupts um, an economy. And so I am less, that is all to say, I'm less optimistic that something like that would enter the mainstream, even though it's being talked about in university. I, I think that a, a, a socialist feminist perspective has two counts against it in that America hates women and uh, America hates government, social programs. So that's my opinion. I, I, I'm less optimistic and sorry. That was a very, that was long. I'm sorry.
0: No, I love everything you're saying. I just love how these podcasts go. And I hope everyone else enjoys how <laughs> these podcasts go. Cause I feel like we come in with like a plan And we never stick to that plan. It always goes somewhere else. I
1: know, it's my fault.
0: No, but I I think everything you're saying is so interesting. And that's why I always like love having conversations with you because we get on these tangents that aren't exactly where we were planning on going, but they're so interesting um, and really make you think. And unfortunately, I think you're very right that although this is a topic that, you know, realistically could happen and is happening in other countries in our current state in the United States especially with everything going on with the election and um there's a lot of like uncertainty with women's rights right now with certain not getting into it cuz I don't really want to um so just the fact that our like core rights as women are questioned right now I cannot fathom adding Oh, on top of that, let's start creating a stipend for women who want to stay at home and let's further change the women's role in society. Like, that ain't happening yeah. anytime soon. No. Yeah, no,
1: no. We, on the one hand, the, the the conservatives, this is the problem with conservatism. On the one hand, conservatives are saying, like, yes, it's good for women to have traditional roles and stay home and, like there's all of this rhetoric around um, how that's like a great position for women to occupy. Like, you know, there's really kind of sexist rhetoric about like, you know, this is your, your, your biology, right. Or that you have this kind of connection with the children. That's all really problematic and I'm not advocating for it, but then yeah. the right will also say, uh, wait, but you want, you want welfare. You need to work. And so it's like the, the middle-class women can stay home, but the poor women can't. And, right. and that's not, I, I don't, it makes my head explode when I try and understand how people can hold both of those things to be true um, when it's just so obviously not fair.
0: Not fair and not accurate. So you shape yeah. the women who are working are the middle class are the women who have some kind of college background and are making, you know, anywhere between 40 and $60,000 a year. So the people that you are saying can stay at home or whatever aren't the people who are normally staying at home? It is the poor. It is the people that do not have the ability, or that they have the ability. So these um, the U shape that I was talking about, and the other thing that I told us earlier is a lot of the people that um, are these stay at home moms in the lower income classes are tend to be Hispanic women and Asian women because a lot of them either are immigrants or come from immigrant families and the jobs that these women are able to get, it's not worth it. They can't so they get this job, you know, doing whatever, and they're only making, I don't know, minimum wage if best. If they're getting usually less because if they're gonna say it's under the table. Right. So you can get away
1: with skirting labor laws as an employer because illegal immigrants, right.
0: Right. So if they're doing these jobs and making such little money, how, how are they supposed to afford any kind of like um, child care? How are they supposed to like have children? And then there's a really interesting thing that came up. Um, there's a quote that I'm sure you've heard many times where it's like, if you cannot afford having children, don't have children. Hmm. Or you know what I'm saying? Yes. You know yes. It's a very
1: r- right wing kind of anti welfare kind of quote.
0: Yeah. So if you can't afford kids, don't have them. And it's like, so you're pretty much saying if you can't afford children, you should just deny yourself of the joy of having a family. Like, what the hell kind of statement is that? It makes
1: me so angry. But like, anyway, so. It's often also, I think, low-key racist. um, Absolutely. Because um, if you look at, I I, I don't have these numbers in front of me, but I've read them in my life. Um, uh, Black and Hispanic uh, families have more kids than white families in America. And so when you talk about like this, like, oh, they, they have too many kids, it's like a code for low income people of color and the choices that they have every right to make um, in how many children they have in their family. So it's like it's like code that like idea of not being able to afford children um, and you're having too many children is like code against people of color. Um, it's, it's being racist without overtly being racist.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to go back. Anyway, um, it's just interesting because you're saying that these middle class women are the women that should be staying at home or, or can be staying at home, whatever. But it's just not the real, it's not what's actually happening in the United mm-hmm. States. You're either in the low income household or you're in a very high income household. So it's just, it's all just very interesting that all of these perceptions and all of these um, ideas of, who should or who can be a stay-at-home mom really isn't what's actually happening. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, I think we'll just stop it there and we'll kind of, I don't know, maybe in a couple of podcasts if we get some interaction or just in general, we can come back to this and kind of touch on it again.
1: Cool, totally.
0: Cool. Okay. Um. So as always, we are on... Uh, social media, we're on Twitter and Instagram at 7 day work week Pod, So you can always interact with us there. You can also find this podcast pretty much anywhere where you get your podcast. Just search for us, the 7 Day work Week, and we will pop up. Um, I think that's about it.
1: Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Yeah,
0: thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and we'll see you next week. All right,
1: bye. Bye.